Our Old Testament lesson is from the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verses 65 through 72, on page 608 of your church Bible. Do good to your servant according to the word, O Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. It was good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. The epistle lesson is from the book of Romans, chapter 4, verses 13 to 25. On page 1115 of your church Bible. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless, because law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all, all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Well, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, page 963 of your church Bible. And out of respect for the gospel, please stand as you are able. The calling of Matthew. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Please be seated.
you have the grace of God and the peace of God and the mercy of God in and through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. We're going to look at the gospel lesson for this morning from Matthew. And I'd like to read again uh, just verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Let's pray. Father in heaven, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength, our rock, our redeemer, our savior. Amen. Well, I don't know if I, if I asked this ever of you guys in confirmation class or told you guys this in, in confirmation class, but have I ever said this to you? Have I ever said that there's no such thing as a stupid question? Have I said that? Okay, good. Because usually I do. I, I tell that to confirmation classes in an effort to encourage them to ask questions. That the very question that they hesitate to ask because they think, oh, this is really dumb, this is really stupid, is, would actually be the absolute best question for them to ask and open up an opportunity for learning. Isn't that true? Yeah. Educator right here, verifying what I'm saying. Absolutely. There is no such thing as a stupid question. Now, I'm going to apply that general rule to the question that we hear the Pharisees asking Jesus on that day when Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house and he was having dinner with some sinners and, and some other unsavory kind of people. And there were Pharisees standing outside the door and they asked Jesus' disciples this question, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, this is not to excuse the Pharisees and, and not knowing the answer to that question. But I think this uh, observation at least helps us understand them a little bit better. That part of the reason that they asked the question about Jesus that they did is because Jesus didn't necessarily have a habit of doing things in an ordinary manner. He often did things in an out-of-the-ordinary way, didn't he? He didn't always follow the rules, did he? I mean, uh, take, for example, what Jesus was doing at this time. What's he doing? He is gathering his inner circle of disciples. So it is that he said to Matthew, follow me. Now, in those days, typically, when somebody like Jesus was going about the task of gathering their disciples, who's going to be their inner circle, the people that they really relied on, what they did was they always went and they chose the best of the best, the cream of the crop. If you were anything less than that, you, you need not apply for the job. But that's not who Jesus was having dinner with or calling to himself, was it? While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now I wonder, I wonder if I would have been at that table. Or if I would have been one of those on the outside looking in and asking the quote-unquote stupid question. Where do you see yourself in today's gospel lesson? That's not a stupid question. 
to ask. Rather, I think it's a pretty good question to ask. I think it's a very revealing question for a cheese to ask, where would I have been in this story? Especially if we answer the question honestly. Now, my hunch is this. My hunch is that I would have been on the outside looking in asking the question because I know myself and I know how judgmental I can be. I know myself and I I know that I tend to think that I am better than most people. I know myself and I know what goes through my mind when I'm driving around town and I see somebody holding a sign saying, we'll work for food. I know myself and I know what goes through my mind when I see somebody who's been pulled over by the highway patrol or the local police. I I know the judgmental thoughts that go through my mind at that moment. How about you? Are any of my tendencies your tendencies? Would you be in this scene, standing on the outside, looking in, asking the question, or would you be one of those who was seated at the table? You know what we're exposing right now, don't you? What we're exposing is our sinful tendency towards self-righteousness. We're seeing a truth about ourselves here that we try real hard not to see. And the truth is this, that those folks in Matthew's house, sitting around the table with Jesus, we could pull up a chair and nobody would notice. There wouldn't be a change in the crowd, would there? Jesus would still be eating with sinners, wouldn't he, if you or I were at the table? In fact, think of it this way. It's happening all over again. Right here, right now. Jesus is present here. And he's present and mixing and mingling with sinners. And if there were any active Pharisees living in the rice area right now, they'd be pulling up to the church door and they'd be looking in and they'd be saying, why is Jesus eating with sinners? And in a repeat of history, Jesus would give the same answer now as he did back then. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That is the good news, isn't it, fellow sinners? Who was Jesus born for? Sinners. Who did Jesus live a perfect life for? Sinners. 
Who did Jesus die an innocent death for? Sinners. Who did he rise again for? Sinners. So that sinners could have the forgiveness of their sins, so that sinners through faith in him could have heaven and victory over death and everlasting life. That is the good news for sinners. Why did Jesus come? Why was he eating with sinners? Because he came for sinners. He came for you. He came for me. How did the Apostle Paul say it? Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. Are you willing to say that about yourself? And not just say it, but own it. Confess it. If we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us, and we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know what that makes you? It makes you forgiven. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall become like wool. Now remember how I, I said that there, there are no stupid questions? Well, two more. And you might think they're not just the best questions in the world, but I like these two questions. First one is, how, do, how does God feel about forgiving sinners? And the second question is, how do you feel about being forgiven? Well, to get to the answer of the first question about how God feels, let's go back to another time when Jesus was being challenged for eating with sinners. Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus told three parables about the lost sheep, about the lost coin, and about the lost son, all to teach us about how God feels about having sinners for dinner. Forgiving sinners. And the bottom line to it is this. He loves it. He loves being with sinners. He loves being with us. In fact, all of heaven rejoices when he is with sinners. The words of the Father in the parable tell us exactly how God feels. Quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Talking about the prodigal son. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That's how God feels about being with you. About having dinner with a sinner. The question is, how do you feel about having dinner with him. 
How do you feel about being forgiven? What does that do to your heart? What does it do to your life? It sure changed Matthew's heart and life, didn't it? I mean, he left his work to follow Jesus because he had been forgiven. And he had Jesus over to his house. He spent time with Jesus and he invited people to come. He told other people about Jesus. You see, when you realize what God in his grace has done for you in forgiving you all of your sins, that's what happens in your life. What will you be moved to do? Will you be moved to, to live more for him? Are there some, some parts of your life that you will seek to live behind because he has forgiven them? Will you reach out and tell others about him and his, and his forgiveness? What will be this effect of God forgiving you all of your sins? While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. You know, as I look back at that scene once more, there's one more thing for us that it would be good for us to see. And maybe you've already seen it. Do you? I know. It sounds like a stupid question, doesn't it? What exactly are you supposed to see as you look at this scene of Jesus having a meal, dining with sinners? The answer is heaven. Because isn't that exactly what heaven is going to be? Isn't that how heaven is described over and over again in scriptures as a banquet in God's presence? Sinners, redeemed sinners, forever at table with the Lord? From Isaiah, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. Imagine that. Someday, one day, we are going to experience. In fact, it's not that far away. Today, at the table of the Lord, you will have a meal with Jesus, won't you? Sinners, forgiven sinners. But that one day we will sit at table with him and feast forever. Now that is good news for sinners. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.